0: This is the Authentic Sex Podcast, real-life conversations about sex, pleasure and relationships. I'm your host, Juliette Allen. Welcome to episode 95 of the Authentic Sex Podcast. My name is Juliette Allen. I'm a sexologist and sex and relationship coach and the host of this podcast. And today we're talking about Plant Medicine for Libido, Fertility and Birth. And I have a very special guest on the show this week. Her name is Erin Lovell-Verinder and she is a herbalist, nutritionist and energetic healer. Welcome to the episode, Erin. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Before we begin this episode, this is is sponsored by the Juliet Pleasure Wand. The Juliet is a premium crystal pleasure wand designed to heighten your sexual energy, increase self-love and self-pleasure, expand your orgasmic experiences and connect you to your true sexual essence. You can read more and purchase your own crystal wand by visiting my website, www.juliet-allen.com. So Erin, where do we begin? So Erin, just a bit of background, Erin's my practitioner and we met, um, I was referred to Erin through a mutual friend and Erin's helping me in getting my health together and keeping me accountable for being super healthy and um, prepping my body for eventually um, more children and so I wanted to get Erin... Onto the podcast, just to share, guess to share your knowledge and wisdom around um, plants and herbs and how they can heal our bodies and um, help us with our libido and fertility and birth and all those amazing um, parts of life. So yes, yes. Well, once again, thank you so much for your time. Um, Oh, thank you. Do you want to share with us today, Erin? just a little bit about yourself and what you're doing in the world and what you're passionate about and why you um, can talk about all these <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah so i i am a herbalist nutritionist and energetic healer as you said that means here in Australia, we go through some really rigorous study. Um, all up, for me, it was that's seven years, you know, between studying um, those three things. And it was, we do it sort of in a very kind of clinical sense here in Australia. So we d- I did a Bachelor of uh, Western Herbal Medicine and Advanced Diploma of Nutritional Medicine. And um, really now I focus on clinical practice. So I am a practitioner. I my clinic is actually all digital now. So I work with um, people all around Australia and around the world. And I focus a lot on bridging the gaps between clinical sort of naturopathic medicine. So that's inclusive of you know um, herbal medicine, nutritional medicine, and also working with functional testing and pathology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also bridge the gaps with all of the energetics. So that sort of brings my history of working with energetics and, um, that is such a huge term that encompasses a bunch of stuff, but bridging the gaps between that sort of modern clinical approach and also that very grassroots energetic approach. I, um, also mentor, I mentor a lot of students new practitioners and people really wanting to create a fruitful career in the healing realms. And I just wrote my first book. So I'm just wrapping up the first, yeah, the first book. So it's been a bountiful time
0: for sure. Wow. Lots of things that's exciting yeah.
1: about your. thank podcast. you I know what it's going to be called i, do, I can't i can't, can't say, say the name side. yet but um I, it is like a modern guide to plant medicine so it um i'm publishing with an awesome publishing house uh it will be released pre-orders at the end of october and then full release in march which is very exciting
0: Great. So full release is in March, 2020. So for those listening, yeah. um, who it, it may be that time when they get around to listening to this, cause this yes. will be online for forever. Um, you can just Google Aaron's name and you can yes. probably find the book. Definitely want to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so let's begin with libido. I want to focus on today libido because a lot of people yeah. listening do, um, well, I find lots of my clients struggle with libido. And of course, I feel like there's a lot of different reasons why. However, I'm um, a big promoter of looking into our physical health um, yes. and finding out what's going on in that with our hormones, etc., and how that's impacting us um, yeah. with, with our sex drive. So let's start with libido. How, in general, how does one support us our physical selves with nutrition etc to support a great libido and why do you think lots of people are suffering from low libido in this day and age
1: it's such a great question and really it all comes down to an area that I'm so passionate about and that is burnout mm-hmm. and, you know, just stress really. It comes down to that epidemic of the weary lives that so many of us are living just jam-packed, go, go, go and not having a full, you know, vital tank Um, I really, really believe a lot of presentations, uh, of, of low libido and hormone imbalances come from, or are directly interconnected with that sort of burnout picture. Mm. So, you know, when I am working with people who, well, first of all, when you do, when you do come and see a practitioner like myself, you get to fill out this like really big, long questionnaire. So I almost instantly get to have a little look at, um, you know, I look over it and get to really see what areas are expressing themselves. And often when every, like every person that ticks low libido, they're also ticking the boxes of a low energy, exhaustion, fatigue, sleep issues, that kind of thing. Mm. So I really believe they go hand in hand. And if we start to sort of shift our attention to actually building vitality and understanding that low libido is a byproduct of low vitality, we're getting to the roots of it to rebuild and repair.
0: Mm, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Do you agree with me in that people are just getting busier and busier and busier in this day and age in comparison to say even like 10 years ago? Yes, definitely. I've seen that. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Mm. And I, and and people just don't have the strategies to cope with it. We're just not wired that way. You know, mm. we're not, we're not wired to be on 24 seven and engaged and available. I mean, even if you look at social media, there's so many wonderful things about it, but mm. there's also not so many wonderful things about it too. And, you know, just um, the amount of information that we're digesting just even by engaging in Instagram mm. or five minutes is mm. I mean, I know there's a lot of like actual research around this, but I'm like, I can't quote any of that, but just, you know, knowing that um, even when I'm on it, I think, Oh my God, sometimes I'm so overwhelmed in five minutes because I've just taken in so much information. And um, so I think that even in that sense, you know, we're just being bombarded and, and, and often we're just not very conscious of that. And so if we can create a little bit more consciousness around editing out what's not serving us and what feels like it's actually draining us and not bringing us so much joy, that's one of the first steps that I actually get my clients to, to work around is the editing process of, Mm. yeah, you know, editing. And then that can be in so many different ways, but that's just one little facet around what we're consuming.
0: Yeah. I think that's such Mm. a great point. Something that I did last year was I unfollowed everybody on my Instagram. Wow. Yeah. And I just, I just, everyone, my friends, I think I followed just um, Nick and my parents and that was it. And they never post anyway. None of them really care about Instagram. So it's awesome. Mm. (laughs) Um, But that really helped me because I'd open it up out of habit and realize there was nothing to look at. And then I'd just close it again. Right, Um, right, yeah. So just for people listening, that's something that just sharing what helped me get off Instagram. Yeah,
1: yeah. And also just kind of stay in your own lane. Like I find that too when I was even writing the book about plant medicine, I had to um, mute or unfollow lots of incredible other practitioners and herbalists who are in the field because I just needed to stay in my own lane in my creative space Mm -hmm. and not be influenced by anything else. It just needed to come purely from me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that's, that just ties in that, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, but it ties into what you were asking about. Like, it's the busier, busier, busier thing. You know, mm-hmm. our lives are getting often so noisy. We just can't really get clear on anything right now. Yes. Um, and that's why I, I think people come in feeling so burnt out because of that. They're just so like in the fog of, it's just all too much. It's overwhelmed. Definitely. Um, yeah, And that definitely ties into libido. It's like I said, low libido is a byproduct of low vitality. So if you can, you know, anybody listening, who's experiencing that, just really check in with how you're feeling in your body. Are you struggling with your energy levels? Are you struggling with vitality? You know, is it hard to keep your energy even throughout the day? Just those little questions can make a huge, like you can have a lot of uh, heart moments. Mm -hmm. If you start to transform the low libido issue into, is it about vitality?
0: Yeah. Cool. And so if people are listening there and they're like answering yes, yes, yes. And being like, oh my God, this is ringing true. What are just some really simple things that they could um, put into action after listening to this to begin um, looking after themselves more in that area?
1: definitely so we already just touched on the editing process i mm-hmm. i really say look at your you know put on that sort of those glasses that lens of perception that you're becoming a lovingly brutal editor of your life you know you're really looking at like what does not serve me are there friendships that don't serve me am i eating foods that don't serve me and feel good for my body you know where can you edit out things that are just creating too much noise and too much pressure
0: mm-hmm. and you're
1: not really enjoying them and um that's first and foremost because you know although I really help people. It seems like, Oh, I'm a herbalist nutritionist. It's really about the physical presentation. It's not physical Mm -hmm. presentations are not just physical. They come with the energetic, emotional, mental and spiritual imbalances as well. Mm -hmm. So we've got to look at our life in a really holistic way when we're looking at exhaustion and low vitality. So Mm -hmm. editing first and foremost, I'd, I'd say then like really looking at your habits around nutrition and really making sure that your diet is serving you and you know, most of us will thrive. Look, and and, and again, respect to any, any choices that people make around their diet, but most of us will thrive off a very high plant-based diet with some great quality proteins. Now, whether that's animal based proteins or whether you're making sure that you've got really awesome plant-based protein sources, Mm -hmm. you need to have protein in your diet. Um, I always say to people eat, eat more on the green side, but eat a rainbow of veggies, but you know, keeping all those alkalizing greens in there. So like energizing and, and vibrant. And when you're dealing with low vibrancy, it's mm. really important to, you know, pump up greens into your diet. Mm. Um, so really look, look at that. Like, look at your diet. Are you balancing your blood sugar? I have to say, cause we're going to talk about a lot of different things around hormones today mm. that, the first and foremost, most important thing, particularly for women is balancing your blood sugar mm. and that means n- not skipping meals or, you know, skipping long meals, not just eating a bowl of carbohydrate, really just looking at your diet, balancing your blood sugar with protein. When you've got balanced blood sugar, your hormones will also be just so receptive and happy when you can work on regulation of that blood sugar and insulin response.
0: Yep. Okay. Mm. So mm. how do how do we know if our blood sugar is out? Um, what are some of the signs? Um, yeah. Or I could say I know for me that mm. if I haven't eaten a proper breakfast and then I go yes. do some like training and then I go and visit mm-hmm. a friend and then I real I start to be fatigued and I start to feel not mm. present and yes. then I start yes. to feel and then I can often feel grumpy too and irritated. Yes, and like I'm very hangry. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. So, um, um, what would be uh, any other signs that people can kind of start to notice? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that was that's a great description of you know issues with blood sugar regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, most the, the the thing that people mostly do is skip breakfast, and yeah. I always say to my clients, you know. And we've got to retrain your metabolism and retrain you to be hungry again. Cause a lot of people say I'm not hungry in the morning mm-hmm. and then they'll skip. And then they won't eat anything until say 11, 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. And by that time they're like ragged, you know, or yep. people go, no, I'm fine. But then I dig a bit deeper and they're absolutely ragged at 4 p.m. Yes. You know, so it's it's hit them later in the day as well. So regulating your blood sugar in the morning is super duper important. So yeah, the hangry feeling, um, the feeling of like very sort of jittery in the body, not mm. very grounded, anxiety is a really big byproduct of not balancing mm. your blood sugar as well, feeling very anxious and sped up in your body. Mm. Um, you know, feeling like you just <clears throat> excuse me, you're craving a lot of sugar and carbohydrates is a big is a big byproduct of not having balanced blood sugar. So when you are just like, oh my goodness, I just really want that chocolate or that croissant for my (laughs) 11am because you haven't had anything. It's usually because you haven't balanced your blood sugar in the morning. Whereas if you balance your blood sugar with more protein from the beginning of the day, your sugar cravings will be so far less slash diminished if you really get on top of your blood sugar regulation.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I noticed when I've had like a good <clears throat> breakfast of eggs mm. and salad and whatever I have, then later on in the day, I, um, yeah, I, I don't crave the sugar as much. Definitely. Yeah. So.
1: Totally. Yeah. So, um, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. It's mainly about that kind of hangry, irritated, jumpy out of your body sort of energy that most people feel when their blood sugar is not balanced and they get quite reactive and irritable. Those yeah. are the main sort of signs. Yeah.
0: Cool. Excellent. So if you want to, um, look at your nutrition more, just make sure you're having heaps of like, um, great quality veggies and, and, um, and
1: proteins. proteins. Yeah, the big, yeah. yeah, exactly. Big proteins. And even just, um, when you're having a little snack, you know, instead of just snacking on a piece of fruit, maybe you can cut up that apple and have a big dollop of almond or cashew butter, or, you know, a handful of, you know, your raw active or activated nuts with some gojis and things like that through. So you, you sort of, yep. you, you can have a little bit of some sweetness, but anchored in with some protein as well.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so editing, nutrition. Is there anything mm-hmm. else? Oh, what about sleep? I'd love to ask yeah. about sleep. I know how my, important. Definitely it is. my next one. It's so okay. important. Yeah. yeah. So, sleep, sleep hygiene.
1: So, getting off your screens, you know, I say at least two hours before you go to sleep, screen mm. free, because it's, it's just so stimulating. You've got the blue light. And even if you've got some blue light blocker glasses, or you're using, you know, a, a yellow kind of screen, a yellow filter on the screen, mm-hmm. still you're stimulating your body. You're engaging in something that's not really in your present moment. Mm-hmm. I just ask people to really think about the night as leaning into the yin, you know, and leaning into the sort of the softness and the cool of the evening and allow your body to kind of wind down and relax. I'm sure you've all had really abundant days. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the night, you know. I understand that want that desire to sometimes to switch off and sometimes it can be really relaxing for your nervous system to watch a show but just be really mindful that you're sort of allowing a nice breath between switching off the screens to sleep mm-hmm. to allow your body to kind of wind down so I always say nurturing the unit night you know journaling reading writing you know um baths showers talking to talking you know talking to a friend talking to your partner mm-hmm. um just like those sort of softer activities to like let your body also kind of get ready for sleep because that really at nighttime, what we're we're looking at like the rhythm of the moon and the sun and trying to get our bodies into a sort of nice circadian rhythm mm-hmm. and high lights and, and and more blue lights and and like white lights, they really confuse our bodies. So Mm -hmm. at nighttime, really pulling all the lights down, only having orangey kind of glowy lamps or low lights or candles, if it's safe in the house, it's a really great way to train your body to get into better sleep cycles and encourage the production of melatonin, your sort of sleepy hormone to get you into good sleep. Mm -hmm. And, that's sort of like melatonin's the moon, and you know, um, I think about like cortisol in the morning as your sun. So we're meant to sort of rise as the light rises, and our cortisol goes, "Hey, wake up! We're ready for the cortisol awakening response, ready for the day." So I suggest if if you can get into bed before ten, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really amazing, particularly if you're a tired, burnt out person. Mm-hmm. Even if over a few weeks you're pulling you sleep like 10 minutes earlier every few days yeah. and you just do it gradually, you'll feel so much better to get a really good sleep cycle. If you're getting into bed a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And what about, is there any, um, simple herbs that people can have? Yes. Like, I know, like, yeah, definitely. That's my next thing.
1: Adaptogens. So adaptogens are, and I feel like everybody has heard a lot about adaptogens lately. Cause I feel like they're really, they're shining right now. Cause I think we're all mm-hmm. sort of, you know, in that more low energy, low vitality space, because we are also busy, the adaptogens are, adaptogens are a class of herbal medicines that are really rising up to mm-hmm. heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so adaptogens adapt the stress response in the body. That's a, that's a very basic explanation, but endogenous and do, and exogenous stresses. So it will really help us with our stress response mm. and that's very much tied in with the adrenal glands and our cortisol response, our stress hormone. Mm. And also to get more complex, it's called HPA axis, but we could go down a whole rabbit hole there. So really it's, it's about adrenal health. Mm. Um, my, my, there's many adaptogens, but mm. one that I feel like is really out there right now is ashwagandha, which is, yeah. um, otherwise known as withania. Yep. Yeah. Have you, have you worked with ashwagandha? I just,
0: it's funny you say it because I just started having it last week. Wow. Yes. I just, um, I intuitively bought it when I was at the local health food store Yeah. and I, um, I love the flavor. It kind of tastes nutty and peanut buttery. I like it too. Yeah. It's really tasty. Um, So I don't, it's funny because I didn't know, I don't know anything about it. I just had heard it was good and was like, oh, I'll throw this in, like, see, see what happens. I'd run out of all my other mushrooms. And so I was like, I'll get this. Yeah. Um, So keep telling me about it.
1: Well, I mean, ashwagandha is such a beautiful plant and really it is a, <clears throat> we call it withania in western herbal medicine but i'll stick with ashwagandha because it's less confusing for people yeah. to interchange names but really it's that it's, it's traditionally thought of as the main sort of male tonic in ayurveda mm-hmm. and also can I just preface by saying when I use the terms male and female, I really want to just shout out to the audience and just make sure I'm being really inclusive here as well. And you know, the, the herbs really have no preference for gender and it's not a non binary system of healing. So when I use the terms male and female, I'm really more talking about the energetics and more how they've classically been taught, but yeah. please it's, it's an expansive topic. So don't feel put off by that. Yeah. Um, so the, it's really the main sort of male tonic in Ayurveda, whereas Shatavari, which I'll talk about in a second, is more of the main sort of female tonic in Ayurveda. And um, Withania, sorry, Ashwagandha is really a, a beautiful plant that works to normalize your cortisol levels and to help you adapt to stresses and build resilience to stress. Mm. so it's it's one of my most favorite i've worked with it a lot personally it's been very restorative for me and it's so restorative for my clients particularly when people are just really burnt out
0: yeah cool, yeah so great. you'll see it a
1: lot now like it's it's in a lot of products it's, it's because i just feel like it's it's a really important plant of our
0: time yeah cool but okay
1: yeah but there's so many others too like honestly you've got um you know your siberian ginseng rhodiola gotcha cola korean ginseng romania Shazandra, like there's really so many beautiful adaptogens that you could work with mm. to adapt and support that burnt out rebuild vitality energy and resilience
0: mm, okay yeah. cool awesome and yeah. i guess if people are interested who are listening they can connect with you and i'll will give them all your contact details after this um and i love that yeah i think ultimately if people want to make changes, it's really good to um, seek out a practitioner like yourself or someone in their community who can um, support them on an individual basis. Cause just remembering for those listening, you know, this is, um, this is a general, general, um,
1: there. Yeah. It's it's a very like, this is a general take on your plant medicine and, and, and herbs that will work for this and that, but you're so right. And I really appreciate you saying that, that, you know, when, when it comes to individualized care and you know, if you've got a particular health presentation, or things you want to work on, it's so powerful to get one on one care Mm -hmm. and, and there is no one size fits all approach. There just isn't. So this is what, you know, the basis of herbal medicine, naturopathic and nutritional medicine is. It's Mm -hmm. all about individualized care. So if you want to go deep, you know, get a really great practitioner. And I think, you know, when you find synergy between a client and a practitioner and you feel safe in that space with the practitioner to explore the deep roots of your health, Mm -hmm. it's really powerful. You know, yeah. it can be really powerfully transformative.
0: Yeah, so yeah. true. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we've done a little bit on how our um, health and nutrition and lifestyle can impact our libido. Yes. I wanted to ask a question around um, the pill and if, yes. if and how that impacts our libido. This is... Um, a question that a lot of clients have asked me and personally, I can't really give too much advice on it because I'm not a practitioner like yourself. I had my own personal experience of being on the pill when I was like 19 and it just Mm -hmm. didn't work for me. And um, I haven't been on it since. So I'm not a big fan personally. Um, But I have had a few people ask me, you know, they've noticed like Mm ever since I've been on the pill, I'm like, don't feel like sex anymore, or when I got yeah, off yeah. the pill, I was yeah. like horny all the time. You know, so right, I'm right, just right. wondering, what's your take <clears throat> on that? Um, so it's really,
1: it, it, I feel like, okay, let's just make it. I, this is the most important answer. I think everybody needs to be educated on with the pill. Yes, it, it really causes a lot of nutritional deficiencies. Mm. So it affects the body's like vitamin and mineral um, absorption and metabolism as well. So. What I think the biggest thing is, is looking at that, that often the body is really, really depleted in B vitamins and zinc when -hmm. they've been on the pill and when they're on the pill and coming off the pill. So I'll always do a lot of like B vitamins and zinc replenishment when someone's coming off the pill as well. When you are deficient in B and zinc, so B vitamins and zinc, Mm -hmm. the nutritional deficiencies that can come from that can really lead to, well, they can be the roots of a lot of different like a different health issues. So Mm -hmm. things like anxiety and depression and, um, and even like loss of like libido Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is absolutely like in, in that sort of space of feeling like your libido has gone down. A lot of the times there are, like I said, other things that are contributing to that, like stress, you know, exhaustion, fatigue, anxiety, depression, low mood, vitality. Mm -hmm. So often, I, I think one of the main things we need to look at is that when somebody's on the pill, they're going to be deficient in the um, zinc and the B. Mm-hmm. And that can be causing, you know, a lot of like that low libido not at all wanting to engage in that way because they're just not having that, like, that fire is like it's not stoked because you are having like multiple deficiencies in the body that need addressing to actually build up that fire.
0: Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah.
1: So I, I think that's the most important thing that people can understand, like need to understand around your body will be depleted of certain minerals and vitamins that will actually be helpful for your libido and making sure that there's we've got to like make sure that there's not other things going on, like, like anxiety, excuse me, depression and, and et cetera. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And again, it's like looking at things a bit more holistically rather than saying, you know, like, um, okay, well you need to get off the pill. Um, again, it's just a reminder for people listening that it's um, good to get support on an individual basis from a practitioner around these things. Cause you know, like you said, if someone's coming off the pill, then you want to build them up with X, Y, Z to help yes. support their system. So yeah, um, totally. This yeah. is, this is great info. I actually didn't know that it, um, that, that it had that impact yeah. on us and our nutrition. So that's yeah. really cool for me to know. Yeah, um, totally. And so just being yeah, really sort of mindful,
1: looking at B vitamins and zinc is the main thing when someone's on the OCP. And that, you know, if you are experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression and like low moods generally, and something going on in that spectrum, you know, look at working with a practitioner around rebuilding and repairing, especially if your choice is to stay on the pill, like how can you support alongside that as well?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so um, I want to talk today um, about fertility yes. and um, it's, all, it's all interlinked, but... I I guess we could still talk about the pill and fertility first and go into it that way because I've also noticed that women um, and heard that if someone's been on the pill for a long time, they um, jump off the pill and assume that, oh, now I'm not on the pill. Now I can have the baby that I've always dreamt of. And then um, I've heard a lot of stories around women who actually find it quite difficult to conceive um, after the pill. But what's your, like, what do you think about that? Yeah. I see that really
1: commonly too. You know, I, 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 a lot of people will just expect to kind of come off the pill and think, okay, boom, I'm ready to try. I'm, I'm fertile. It's happening. Mm-hmm. And then they won't actually get their cycles back for, you know, six to 12 months often, if yeah. not sometimes even a little bit longer. So yeah. um, that can obviously be really challenging because we need to get the body cycling again. You need to get that menstrual cycle moving and in rhythm. Mm-hmm. So really we need to just encourage that to come back. And Often because what the pill's doing is really sort of taking over that cycle and shutting down ovulatory cycle, it can really take time for the body to remember, you know, and to return to what it's sort of meant to be doing to really rebalance hormones and get that ovulatory cycle back up and running. So working with plant medicines and nutrition is such an awesome way to do that. And there are so many really powerful plant medicines that will really gently talk to the menstrual cycle to return. Um, and whether that's via, there's a lot of different mechanisms, but a lot of the herbs have these sort of, um, hormonal, um, it's like hormonal receptor sites that encourage, you know, they encourage the hormones to be, to sort of come back on board. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, it's such a deep topic around how to regulate a cycle, but absolutely I see it all the time and, it's some women will get off the pill and boom, their cycle will come right, right back. But I'd say most people, it takes time to get the cycle back. Yeah. yeah
0: that was my experience. I was on the yes. pill and then I d- it didn't mm. feel right. And I was always really grumpy and yeah. like, it what well, didn't feel good. So I um, went off it and then I didn't get my period for a few months. And that's what led me into like acupuncture, Chinese herbs mm. and, being so fascinated with health and how it impacts us. Um, because I wanted to get my period back and, um, and the doctor, I'd go to the doctor and the doctor would be like, Oh, no, it's normal. You'll be right. Isn't it good right. that you're not bleeding? And I was like, no, like right. this doesn't yes. feel right. Like I was only 19, but I was just mm. like, I want to bleed. And, um, mm. so yeah, I had the experience of that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I
1: think, uh, you know, I think now there's so much more awareness around the power of a menstrual cycle and what it means to be cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, people are, which is great. People are becoming a lot more educated around that. And even the doctors that are saying that to you, it's like, oh, it's so alarming. You know, I think most people will <laughs> oh. be alarmed by that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: yeah that's another rabbit hole if you go. Yeah. Down. Yeah. But, Respectfully. Um, but yeah, yes, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So let's talk about fertility. Um, mm-hmm. how can we, um, as women and men, um, so maybe we'll do women, first yeah. and then I'd love yeah. to cover men too because I feel like it's often assumed that it's like all up to the woman to prep herself for yes. conception where right. um, it's equally as important for the man too but how can we prepare ourselves to be as fertile as possible um, I mean I think in general we all want to be fertile beings but for, yeah. for women and men who um, know that one day they want to have a family yeah um, sure or for women and men who are currently trying to conceive or are planning on conceiving, Mm -hmm. what, what are things we need to take into consideration and how can we boost our fertility so that, um, yeah, so that it's, at it's optimum. Definitely. I mean, I, I feel
1: like a broad answer to that is, is also, you know, it is really important to allow yourself time for preconception care if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're right. Like, it is such an important time and it's such a big thing to create, you know, create a whole new person. And um, being in your optimal health is really important and for both of you because, you know, it's 50 50s of genetic material going into that little egg, you know, and um, yeah. it is really important that you are both in your prime as best as possible. Yeah. Also, it's super duper important for women because I really do feel like going into a pregnancy in a healthy, as sorry, as optimal, as healthy as possible, Mm. it really is going to help you sort of navigate and be a little more low, low risk for sort of postnatal depletion as well. Mm, Um, so that's super important, but if you're sort of like, you know, how how can I just help? And I mean, I think being a little bit more preventative, like, how can I be in my optimal health? It's Mm. so you're not necessarily trying now really that's about, you, um, looking at all your lifestyle factors and looking at reducing your, your, your toxic burden, I suppose. So it means, um, you know, even things like, are you do you you know, do you drink out of plastic water bottles? If you do stop it, you know, um, if you know, little things like that, you know, are you eating a lot of tinned food, which is lined with plastics? If you are, stop it. Like little, little (laughs) things like that actually pull down your toxic load in a, hugely um making sure you're eating quality foods you're moving your body you know you're in really good good vital health is the most important place to be to support your fertility
0: mm.
1: and um making sure that if there are health expressions that you're noticing don't just push them away
0: address them you what know you mean by health expressions for those so i mean
1: regards? like yeah if you've got if you if, if you've got a some say thyroid issues or you are you're, you're extremely tired and you're not sure why go get it checked out because say there maybe is a bit of a thyroid issue there and you don't just want to let that go because that can affect your fertility right mm-hmm. um, if there's polycystic ovarian syndrome or let's say you don't know there's polycystic ovarian syndrome but your cycles are irregular and um you've got a few of the symptoms and you're not sure of a diagnosis let's figure it out because that can affect your fertility so can endometriosis it's mm. it's health expressions where you might not know what the diagnosis is or maybe there isn't a diagnosis there's just an imbalance there but mm. if you sort of shy away from it and don't address it things can just get bigger and bigger when we ignore them
0: mm, Totally.
1: You know? yeah. so lean in because if we you know if we just work on those issues, we can really turn them around and transform them. And hopefully by the time that you're ready to create a a person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you're in a really different place with those things.
0: Yeah. Cool. So for those who are um, wanting to, yeah, who are actively trying, what are some um, herbs or things that um, we can add into our daily diet to yep. increase fertility and um boost our vitality is Definitely there, yeah what are so like many. say 3 of your top ones cuz i know top there's ones? so many yeah. there are so but I, and i don't want to <laughs> like overwhelm people with <laughs> like holy shit how many herbs did she say that i have yeah. to now? Yeah, no, I totally get
1: it. Um, um I mean I do really, really love Shadavari and I feel like it's the best name ever, Shadavari. Yeah. Um how do you spell I, that? It's S-H-A-T-A-V-A-R-I shatavari cool. and um the botanical name is asparagus race Mosa, but it's um commonly known as Shav- shatavari mm-hmm. and the translation is something like it's like um a hundred spouses or like she who has a hundred husbands it's very regal <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, amazing name so it's like it's also dubbed the queen of herbs so mm-hmm. shatavari is the main sort of feminine tonic in ayurveda but it's also a really important plant for men as well. So okay. It's an adaptogen, and it's it's really um, so it will adapt that stress response. So it will rebuild vitality, which is all like vitality is always going to raise libido. So think about that. I mean, I've already talked about it, but remember that everybody because it's like working with any adaptogen will start to raise your libido.
0: Yep. Um,
1: but shatavari is specific for libido as well, and it's great for male impotence and sort of awakening like sexual energy. Oh, great. That's a good one. Everyone's going to be writing this down for sure. And um, also what I love about it is it really can transform in a woman's life because you can use it for like puberty. You can use it to breastfeeding. You can use it towards menopause. So it it grows with a woman as she grows as well.
0: Okay, great. And would you recommend people get that in capsules or in a powder or... Well, okay, this, I guess it's the thing, Australia, it's quite regulated with how you use plant medicines
1: when you're using liquids and things like that. It's usually just through a herbalist or a naturopath, but you definitely can get a powdered form of it yeah. and yeah, you could take it in an encapsulated form as well. Um, I just always say really, really, um, you know, question where you get your plant medicines from. Mm. It's really important, the purity, the um, the testing that's been done on it, the if you can organic or, and also, and Shadavari really, unless someone grows it locally here, which is not so common, but if you can source, you know, herbs that are local to you or use more common herbs that are local, that's also really fantastic just for sustainability as well. But Mm. Shadavari is yeah. Powdered form would be great to add into like a daily um, warm elixir or Mm. a smoothie, something like that. More as a kind of food as medicine, adjunct plant medicine therapy.
0: Great. Is Um, it? What else? There's more.
1: Yeah, I was like, but there's weight. More. more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, um, When I think a bit about if someone's struggling with a little bit of low sperm um, count, Mm -hmm. um, I think about tribulus uh, terrestris. So tribulus is. A great herb for men, especially if they're dealing with that sort of, yeah, lower sperm count and also, um, saw palmetto for men, male infertility and impotence and, and, um, looking at motility, how we improve like sperm motility. Look at those two herbs. So tubulus and your, um, saw palmetto. Okay, cool. They're really awesome. And another male herb is Korean ginseng. I feel like most people will have heard of Korean ginseng. Okay. And it's a uh, panax ginseng. It's a really great herb for uh, raising male fertility and, and male sort of male like vigor, I guess you know. Yeah. So like male infertility, impotence, that kind of thing. And um, not and not to say that that's you know, think that's not really. I'm not actually experiencing impotence. It's not. It's it's really just about raising the energy. You know, mm. of of that sort of vitality in that section and center
0: of your body. Mm. So, so Korean ginseng, did you say? Korean ginseng, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, great. So there's a few things people can look into and um, possibly add into their yeah um, little
1: apostles- little elixirs and yeah, <laughs> and, and and also damiana is a great one too for um men and women to enhance libido.
0: Okay, great. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. There's a bunch there.
0: Great. Um, for what, why is it important for men to prep for conception for those who don't know, and they're under the myth that it's all about the woman, like, and what's some stuff men can do, um, who want to, um, yeah, be in optimum health so that they can create a beautiful, healthy child. Definitely. Well, First
1: and foremost, I just want to sort of preface this too because a lot of people do feel like in the experience of um, getting pregnant that people get really frustrated really quickly. I totally understand all the fear that can come into play and um, concern around creating when when it's not happening straight away for you. Mm. So you've got to give yourself a little time and within 12 months, I think after about 12 months, that's when you know you can start to generally look at it with a little bit more testing and things like that if there's an issue so give yourself some time and openness and you know call it in in lots of different ways it's such a powerful energy and portal of creation to work on the energetics not just the physical um and even this is a little bit of a side note but there's a beautiful book uh called spirit babies oh, and i don't know this in do you know throat. it no, yes,
0: you told me about oh, it. Okay, so hey, great. I got it. And I read it and I have told so many people about oh, it. Oh yes. So much. It's the best. How welcome. It? It's so good. So just a quick like little explanation
1: of it. It was a um American, he's passed away now, an old an old American man, um Walter, I think I can't remember yes. his last name, but um, he it was he's a, he was a medium and he spoke with uh the babies that were coming in for people, and worked with a lot of couples around um, and individuals around blocks around having a baby and bringing their babies in, and it's really like all of these beautiful stories that are like great metaphors, aren't they? <laughs> of mm-hmm. and and also things to to practice. He has sounds and you know frequencies and all these things to like call in your spirit baby and meditations, visualizations. It's a very beautiful book, very powerful to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um. Oh, men. Sorry, I was like sidetracked. Um. No, it's okay. Back to yes, the men. Yeah. Back to the men. I feel like it's super important for men to understand that they are fifty percent of this creation. There is. There's no sidestepping that. You know, this yeah. is about fifty percent genetic material to the mama, fifty percent genetic, pu- you know, material to to the father. So, you know, this is really important that they uh, partake in preconception care as well. Mm. And um, to clear their bodies and be in the most optimal space that can be because, you know, that little, at at that time of conception, that's like the most powerful, healthy, vital space that that egg is going to be in at that time of conception. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that, you know, the, the, the dad is also, father is also, you know, keeping his diet clean and, you know, so simple things, pulling down alcohol. If you're, if you're a cigarette smoker, you know, really as best as you can, reducing if not giving, should giving it away anyway. No judgment, but I want you all to be healthy.
0: So, yeah. um, how does cigarette smoking impact um, fertility? Yeah. Like, just a quick, <clears throat> quick one on that, just so that well, people know. Just so briefly, it's all about
1: your toxin load. You know, yeah. your your amount of toxins that you're taking in. If you're smoking and, and heavily, and also drinking heavily, it t- puts a real burden, you know, on your body and that's just the last thing that you want when you want to be in optimal health. Yeah. So, you know, you're having to process a lot more through your systems of elimination and your liver and everything when you're, you're putting in not such great stuff into your body. So I would suggest, you know, really doing a, a few alcohol free months and really being mindful of your diet, challenging your diet by pumping up lots of veggies and good quality proteins, hydrating your body, moving your body, Looking at taking a zinc supplement could be great. A lot of people are really depleted in zinc and zinc is a key nutrient as well for, um, uh, sorry, sperm motility. Yeah. Looking at zinc would be great. Um, and you could also everybody with zinc don't take it forever. Like zinc's really only meant to be taken for short periods of time, like about three months at a time. Okay. Yeah. So, cause sometimes people just take things for a long period of time and it will, it actually depletes other things sometimes in the body when you over supplement as well.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. That's a good bit of info. Yeah. Um, awesome. And yeah, so um just plugging that book, which I think is fabulous. It's called spirit babies. And the, yeah. the first name of the author is called Walter and we forget yeah. the surname, but yeah. I found it very easy by Googling it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to go back to what we were speaking about at the start, which was how we're all living in um, quite heightened states and stressful environments and we're just so overly stimulated by basically by our phones and social media and being able to work 24-7 on our phone and all that. Right. Um, Do you feel like for optimum um, chances of conception that women in particular Mm. need to be relaxing more and less stress in order for a better chance of conception. Um, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? I do. I really do think that stress plays a huge part in,
1: in, infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, you know, also stress being the driver for a lot of hormonal imbalances. So it's not just as simple as saying, Oh, I'm a little stressed. It's, it's like, how actually is that stress affecting your body? You know, because it's, it's, it's usually not just a surface level thing. And so really when it comes down to a lot of other, um, hormonal imbalances and presentations that can contribute to infertility, a lot of the drivers are stress. So mm. I'm concerned about how stress is impacting our hormones mm. and as well. And you know, obviously is our overall well-being. but often it can throw our thyroid way out of whack. Our yeah. thyroid's ruling our endocrine system, has a big conversation obviously with everything hormonally that happens in our body. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm very conscious of, you know, helping people really reset their patterns around reaction to stress and building resilience to stress. Cause I really think it's the root of like everything, honestly.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I kind of knew that was the the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wanted just, I really want to reiterate how um, negative stress can, how negatively it can impact us. And yeah, for those who want to conceive and want to, you know, be really fertile, that Mm. it's worth taking a look at um, what we're choosing to say yes to, basically in life. Definitely, yeah. mm. And um, what you're also, you know
1: sort of giving up for that so looking at you know some of the yeses you've just really got to ask how much that demands of you and if you've got enough of yourself to give that because I think you know in if that makes sense in in I think a lot of the time we we don't realize how much something takes of us until we're really really depleted from it yes Yeah. yeah true
0: yeah for me um I've noticed like I'm, I'm working personally on downing my workload and yeah. feeling less stressed and like saying no more. But yeah. um, I'm working with my coach around like, what happens when I do slow down? And what happens when I actually am sitting there doing nothing? Like, why am I avoiding that? And what do I feel underneath? What am I feeling when I'm actually just chilling the fuck out yeah and like what's underneath why do I have to be so busy all the time so I'm sharing that because it's not just like oh okay well I'll go from full-time to part-time and then I'll be fine because often Mm. that and then they find other reasons why they have to be busy because we don't actually want to sit still because we're avoiding being alone or whatever it is
1: definitely (laughs) like what's the underlying driver that's that's kind of keeping you Mm -hmm. in that place as well Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so there with you because even the way for me, I've transformed, um, the way I practice and the way that I live my life a lot mm. in the last year and moved up the coast and really shifted a lot of things and wrote the book and, and, um, really has, have taken a good look at like how I go about, um, you know, what I put my energy into and how I go about engaging with the things I'm putting my energy into and where, mm. well, how that makes me feel mm. and really checking back into that a lot because, you know, I have, like, I have, I sort of have that history of pushing myself very hard as well. And I think a lot of us mm. do, and mm. especially people who are very sort of self-driven, a lot of people who work for themselves as well. Yep. Um, the little epidemic happening. So you've really <laughs> got to sort of check in you know, like check in with it like you are. And, um, I encourage people to do that because you can do that in any way so quickly by just, Mm. is this serving me? You know, Mm. where's my motivation because we're really just trying to understand what the drivers are that are pulling your vitality down. Yeah. If you're struggling with any low energy, it's just, it's like, you've got to take, you've got to take inventory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what are, um, We've kind of gone through them actually. I was going to ask you what are three s- herbs that can support sexual and reproductive health yeah. for women and men. I feel yeah. like you did go over them when you mentioned ash- Uganda, ashwagandha, Yeah, I mean for, for women too. There's a little bit of a
1: little bit of a different kind of avenue, and really that depends again if what's going on with your hormones. It is quite individual because. Yeah. You know, some women can really swing on one one spectrum hormonally and a very different spectrum and you know, so, um, there are some beautiful herbs like, you know, your chase tree that mm. probably people have heard of a fair bit and dong quai and peony. Mm. Um, these are the sort of herbs that will work really beautifully to some, some of them like, they're sort of like female tonics in a lot of ways. Um, yes. so looking at, Looking at those herbs, but again, if there's a, spe- if there's a specific issue, and mm-hmm. you know your cycles are a little irregular, a little too heavy, mm-hmm. um, or you know you have been trying to get pregnant for a period of time and you're you're having some challenges, mm-hmm. I'd really say check in with an awesome practitioner because the way that they could direct these plant medicines to assist, it's yeah. like a laser. You know, we yeah. know where we're going, um, yeah. and the doses are also really important. So. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, very powerful when, you, when there's something going on there to actually, like, anchor in with somebody who, who speaks this kind of fluent language. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I highly recommend you. Thanks. Not honey. that this is about promoting. <laughs> <laughs> Not, this is more just about giving people info, but, you know, I guess yeah, totally. because you're my yeah. practitioner, that's, yeah. I just feel like you're amazing and very comprehensive. And Thank you. So really highly recommend, Erin, if you do want to work with someone. Thank you. Um, you're welcome um i want to go i want to go to a question while we're on the topic of herbs and stuff yeah. why for those listening who are like yeah cool why would we use plant medicine over pharmaceuticals right. yeah um, i want to dive a bit into that and you know what the impact of pharmaceuticals are on our body and why we would choose to go down the natural route mm. pardon the yeah. pun because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, over. <laughs> why would we go the natural route? Love that yeah. word. Over um, pharmaceuticals yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, tell us a bit yeah, about.
1: Why that. would we? Well, I mean, look, you know, there's so many there's so many reasons why you would use pharmaceuticals. Like, they're they're, they're so important in our society, right? Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not disputing that. You know, when when an antibiotic is needed, well um, gosh, you know, like really like big acute things and surgery and it's incredible right Mm. but you know when you're working with the subtleties of the body when you're working with the subtle hormonal changes and shifts and energy of the body when you're working on raising vitality when you're working on the thyroid there the all of those things i just mentioned even the gut there's 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 not a whole lot of sensitivity when it comes to pharmaceuticals and treating those areas of the body.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so absolutely like if you've got a really really imbalanced thyroid and you you actually need pharmaceutical medication 100% yes okay Mm -hmm. I'm not to say that that's not at all in use but if you've got a little bit of a sluggish thyroid or you want to support around the pharmaceuticals you're taking to really regulate the thyroid in a different way you would definitely use the sensitive the energetic the powerful spirited plant medicines yeah plant medicines really work on our energy centers like mind, body, spirit, and mm. they, they really have an impact on all layers of our being. And we can't look at our health as one dimensional. It's just not, you're not that basic, mm. you know, mm. with such complex beings and spirits that the way that plants work, they work very deeply on all layers. So you will absolutely have like a physical you generally come out with a physical response as in you'll, you'll feel better. Something will start to come into balance, but I also believe that they work on the other levels as well to Mm. allow that change to come into the physical body. Mm. And I think that once, I mean, in terms of um, pharmaceuticals and that kind of training, there's no language for that,
0: Mm.
1: That it's just a very, very different approach. This is all about simple medicine from the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And we like, I I don't, I mean, as hippie dippy as it sounds, it's like we're made up of the same things, you know, like and I'm okay to sound hippie dippy, but you know, this, this is, this is like really what our greatest healer is, is actually to be in nature and to feel at one with nature.
0: Definitely.
1: I agree. Yeah. So really plant medicine is just an extension of that.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. And pharmaceuticals have so many side effects. And what concerns me is that, you know, we start taking one pharmaceutical and then because of the side effect of that pharmaceutical, we then get told, we need to take another one to, um, you know, fix the side effect of one. And then suddenly people are taking handfuls each day. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, that's such a good point because I guess, and one thing I missed saying there was, you know,
1: plant medicines work on addressing the root they work on addressing the roots of the presentation Mm -hmm. they're not about band-aiding symptoms like a lot of pharmaceutical medications are Mm -hmm. they're about going right to the heart of it and to the roots of where it all began
0: Mm -hmm. and that's
1: really what i do as a practitioner as well and the way i'm trained is to look for the root so the root might be you know that the that your, your gut's out of balance and that's affecting this and that that in turn is going over to the hormones and the thyroid. So we go straight to the gut, you know, mm-hmm. and then we work on those other elements. It's So you can see it kind of creates this roadmap of we begin in the center and then we work out from the yes. center. Yeah. Whereas pharmaceutical medications will start absolutely on the outer layers. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's not languaging for it to go right to the root. That's not the way that... it's not the way it's been created or has been mindfully conveyed. It's it's a very different kind of system, but again, has many places, but you know, I believe people would work with plant medicine because there's a deeper sense of connection, belonging and getting to the actual cause. Mm, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. I love what you said about that. Thank you. Let's move to birth. I mean, Mm. I feel like, So I feel like there's a lot and I feel like this could be like a three hour podcast episode for all that we could speak about. Um, but so that it's not three hours, um, let's talk about, um, I mean, I feel, I feel like we're skipping pregnancy. So if you feel like you'd love to chat a bit about that. So we've talked about libido, we've talked about fertility, um, and you know, trying to conceive and, um, how people can support themselves to, um, to conceive and all that yeah now how can women um condition themselves for childbirth so how can how can we really prepare and look Mm -hmm. after our bodies Mm -hmm. so that throughout pregnancy and even before so even Mm -hmm. before conception so that we're able to um yeah. Have like an awesome pregnancy. Have an awesome yeah. pregnancy and an awesome mm. birth and then postnatally too, mm. um, feel great. Um, yeah. What definitely. are some, what are some things that women can do? Yeah. I mean, I would say like, that if, women. if,
1: yeah, if you've got a little, little bit of time as in, you don't <laughs> just instantly, um, you know, you, you, you're planning for the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and even if you do sort of, you do fall pregnant unexpectedly, just, check in and get some bloods done. And I would always say, you know, working again with a practitioner is great, but via your GP, even getting some bloods done and just checking your levels of, of certain, um, certain levels in in your blood, like even your iron and your B12 and your vitamin D, these levels that iodine can just be really low, often going into a pregnancy. And it's ideal if we can bump them up and support them throughout your pregnancy, because particularly things like iron and iodine, your body's going to need a whole lot more of that in pregnancy to grow that baby. Mm. And it's super important that we are supporting with, you know, definitely therapeutic foods, but potentially and more likely supplementation if needed in that particular time. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think supplements are great when needed and I think they should be used when needed. Um, Mm. But being really really mindful of our consumption around them, the quality, the frequency and being well-directed is super important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I'd say make sure that all those levels are decent so you're not going in depleted into your pregnancy. Again, that's going to be very protective against postnatal depletion. And if you can, working on preconception care like we talked about to get your health into a really optimal place, mm-hmm. working on building your vitality and your adrenal store, Mm-hmm. All of those things are really important going into a pregnancy. You know, just yeah. being at your best is awesome if you can. Um yeah. and just working on your health in, in, in by by keeping a clean diet, moving your body, hydrating your body, re- reducing your stress levels, these these interventions that seem basic but are actually challenging for all of us. You mm-hmm. know, it's really important to put some energy and attention on that when you're going into a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um to look at you know throughout the pregnancy a really a really good um multi like a natal kind of care multi would be awesome Mm -hmm. because a lot of the a lot of the um the multivitamins of of these days are maybe still not so I sometimes look at them and think well who are they really for but I often look at the natal multis and they're like honestly the best kind of multis around you know so a lot of people just take multi which is hilarious but a lot of people take multi um, natal multis anyway because they're great so um, yeah. regardless of pregnancy so looking at a really good multi to support you through the pregnancy mm-hmm. and you know working with different plants can be very powerful particularly um, like a, a partus preparator so something that prepares the uterus for labor mm. looking more more towards your kind of second and third like more sturdy trimesters you could start to weave in things like your you know your raspberry leaf which is a very kind of common one Mm-hmm. people kind of think of for pregnancy. Raspberry leaf tea and drinking some cups of, of raspberry leaf tea to prepare the uterus. Um, there's with all herbs though, there's a lot of sort of conflicting opinions about whether they're safe for the entire pregnancy or not. Yeah, And so traditionally raspberry leaf was drunk throughout the whole pregnancy, even to kind of look at as it was sort of preventing miscarriage but nowadays you read in a lot of literature that there's cautions around the Mm. early trimesters um that is very much so like you have to you have to do your research and you have to sort of look at it from a whole perspective that for a very, very long time, rise leaf has been safe and used forever. Yes. So um, anyway, I I would say, yeah, third and fourth trimester using your rise leaf and squaw vine is another, Michella Repens is another great one. So looking at preparing the uterus for labor is an awesome thing to do. If you can Mm -hmm. do that with some uh, teas, like weaving in herbal teas in your everyday
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and just doing your research around which teas are suitable for pregnancy as well. Like... Yeah. Even nettle is a great nourishing uh, herb, but again, that some practitioners will say, Oh, it's not to be used in pregnancy and others it's been used eternally forever. And um, you have to really inquire about that for yourself personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But definitely looking at raspberry leaf. And then also after birth, just to quickly touch on that. Yeah. Really just looking at, you know, herbs that are going to tonify and support the uterus to Come back in to shape and yep. recover, and so your squaw vine is going to be helpful there too. And um, I always love suggesting like gentle sits baths, so like um, sort of like a you could sort of look at them like a yoni steam kind of experience, where it's like a yeah. giant tub of um, hot hot tea, you know, and steaming. Yeah. T- and it's sort of always like putting, cooling it down and sort of sitting in the herbal tea almost oh. to sort of soothe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So soothe the whole, like, you know, vagina, uterus, everything that it's been through, <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. lot. So yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of beautiful things. I'm just going real quick through this cause I know we're wrapping it up, but you know, just beautiful um, herbs that can be really supportive and teas and steams are just a, a, a beautiful thing, especially after, after birth and um, different if, you know, if also y- your your birth is a cesarean and mm-hmm. you're going through healing from a surgery, which is so major for so many women, because a lot of women don't e- expect it to come that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing the, doing, getting some support around that to unpack that. I mean, birth stories, you know, I, I get, I get, I'm honored to hear a lot of birth stories and mm-hmm. some are just, you know, people, feel so great about them. And then some people really don't. So Mm -hmm. getting some support around unpacking when you're ready is really important. I think for you to be able to free flow into bonding and parenting as well. Um, and just feeling yeah in your power in that space. And, um, Healing, healing elements like there's beautiful herbs like uh, centella, which has gotcha cola, which is great for tissue repair and restoration. Vitamin C is great for healing and you know internal healing as well. Arnica. There's a lot of different things you can do, but again, talking to a practitioner is such an awesome way to get some support and, um, just know that any way that you birth your baby, you know, in any way is absolutely perfect. And just getting some extra TLC at that time when you're a new mama or doing it again, you know, a new parent, it's just important to feel supported. So I just say, reach out if you feel that call.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. Getting support. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah definitely it's not something that we're taught or learn we we don't learn how to give birth or you know it's it's something that comes um it's just an experience that we have to go through and then i think lots of us just try and get on with parenting then and um without reaching out yeah. for support it yeah. can be really difficult so yeah that's a great point definitely and i think that's the biggest thing is
1: that when um often people come to see me that's what they say like i really just need support like new new parents feel like they really just need support mm-hmm. and they're saying i'm tired i'm exhausted you know it's like it's just in, in those times you need a spark of light mm-hmm. and you, and i think that's when plant medicines can really come in and like shine and support and lift you up mm-hmm. and I think that, that that's, that's a really beautiful way to connect with them when you're feeling like that call for support.
0: Yeah. 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 Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you feel to add before we finish? Um, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, I don't think so. I mean, I feel
1: like, um, we've covered a lot of things in that like hour, right? Yeah. So, we have.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I feel complete. Yeah. Great. Well, if people want to connect with you or work with you, how can they do that? Let's go your Instagram and website and anything else you want to give us. Yeah. So my Instagram, so
1: it's all just my name, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a long name, but it's Erin Lovell Verinder. And um, you you can oh, here we go. Okay. Ready? E R I N L O V E L L V E R I N D E R. So Erin Lovell Verinder. So that's, that's um, my Instagram handle and also my websites. Um, just my name basically. And .com. Dot com. Yeah. Yes. So I'm in a sort of big time of transformation as I'm just wrapping up the, the first book and all the things associated and we're really, um, my husband and I are really just working on more offerings and, and really in creation space around how I can teach and educate people in different ways because I love working one-on-one, but you know, has it, li- it has its limitations and also accessibility for some people as well. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So I'm really trying to expand to help sort of spread the word and, and um, teach and remind people that they also really know what their greatest medicine is. It's also just about actually creating the space and tapping into your sort of intuition and wisdom as well.
0: Mm, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing and um, sharing your wisdom and your um, just everything. It's been awesome. I've learned heaps and, um, Yeah. I look forward to continue to work with you personally, but then I also know how much this um, episode will help others. So really awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Honestly. Thank you, Juliet. Mm. If you love listening to this episode, um, please head on over to iTunes and leave the podcast a review so that more and more people can find me and listen to the, to authentic sex and share with their family and friends. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about me and listen to other episodes, you can head to my website, which is juliet allencom or my Instagram, which is at juliet, J-U-L-I-E-T, underscore, Alan, A-L-L-E-N.